0: Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Chris Kreichow, And I'm Stephen Carradini.
1: Today, we're going to talk about one of the longer views that you can take as a human being. And that's the long view we call family. We thought this would be an interesting topic, in large part because both Stephen and I have had some big moves in the family direction in the last month and a half.
0: Yeah, Chris Kreishow uh, and his lovely wife um, welcomed their second uh, baby daughter into the world, uh, which is extremely exciting. And I um, am going to start a family, and I managed to get engaged. woo As so, Steven's longtime
1: friend, my response was, Finally! Yes, as uh, we, a new dad, I, my response was, "What is this sleep thing I used to do?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not really true. Our little girl sleeps like a champ. It's true. It's been uh, it's been pretty impressive. I actually babysitted her last night. So, but so we've been thinking a lot about family recently, and we've been thinking a lot about how it affects how you make decisions and how you do um, your daily life, and particularly how it affects how you do work. Um, So, Chris and I both work in, you know, technology, um, widely, you know, widely spread. Um, Chris does development. Um, I am an academic who studies the sociology of the internet. Um, And so, we're both around this kind of tech mentality of how work should be. Um, And we both um, disagree in some cases in minor ways and some cases in major ways with how um, this technology work ethic um, if you can loosely lump a bunch of different activities into <laughs> this technology work ethic, um we both disagree with how some of these things go um, and we agree with some of these things as well but um we were as we were taking a hiatus to you know among other things have these events happen in our lives <laughs> um we were you know thinking about this does have an effect on the way that technology works in a way that Um, this culture works in a way that, you know, our ethics work. So we thought we would talk about that today. One of the big
1: things that's a common refrain in the tech world, and really in the world more generally right now, is a discussion about women in the workplace being able to, quote, have it all, have a big successful career, have a happy family life etc and there's some really great elements of that most importantly we affirm very strongly that women can have and should have as they so desire successful careers but this mentality that you can have it all well there's one big big problem with it and that's you that you can't, can't. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether you're a man woman or trained puppy. I mean, you you just can't have it all. As a husband and father and software developer and seminary student and church member and friend and son and all these different roles I fulfill in my life, I'm constantly having to make trade-offs. What, what do I do each day? Where do I spend my time each day? And this has come home to me again in some particularly profound ways in the fact that I work from home. And well, let me just tell you, none of the work I do is anywhere near as hard as the work that my wife does, taking care of a two year old and a seven week old and It's really hard to stay focused on my work because I want to go help her a lot, but I constantly face this trade off of okay, do I put food on the table by working, or do I keep my wife sane by going downstairs and helping her when the toddler's throwing a temper tantrum, et etc That's a microcosm for what we all face in much larger scale decisions every day and year by year over the course of our lives. Where do we spend our time? How do we choose what is most important at any given point? And whether you're a man or a woman or, as I said, a trained puppy, there are only so many things you can do. You have 24 hours in a day. You have to sleep six to eight of them, unless you're one of those crazy lucky
0: people who's like, I just slept four hours and I feel
1: awesome. Let's go do all the things. Woohoo!
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not so, one of those. Yeah, I'm not one of those either. But I think that um one of the things that we're interested in is that, you know, this this conversation that seems to be never ending, and it will be never ending, because there is no way to end it <laughs> feasibly in the ways that we want to culturally end it, which is yes, you can have it all. Um, one of the things that keeps coming up is that, you know, th- we're talking about this in relation to women, um, because right. women are, you know, as of the last 60 years, new on the workforce in large numbers. Um, and by new in the workforce, I mean, new in the paid outside the home workforce because <laughs> they've been in the workforce this entire time, in my opinion. And so, but we think that it's not spread wide enough. Um, We think that we should be having this conversation about having it all um, with men as well, Um, Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily have that conversation because we have culturally ingrained things that say, you know, this is acceptable, that is acceptable, this is acceptable, that is acceptable. And so, you know, for men to have, you know, high-powered 80-hour-a-week careers that, you know, allow little time for their children is culturally acceptable. Like, you don't hear, you know, these horrible stories of like, um, you know, men like leaving their children in, in, uh, daycare, playgrounds how horrible daycare per... Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we don't hear those stories because it's culturally acceptable to say, Oh yeah, he wasn't around when I was growing up because he was making money. Right. Um, which, you know, we think that's kind of crap. <laughs> um, and yeah, and on... we should
1: clarify we don't mean in this to negate the valuable things being said in the, quote, you can have it all, unquote, discussion, affirming right. women in the workplace, et cetera. We just want to take a step back for a minute and broaden the discussion and say, well, not only is that not quite true for women, but just as importantly—
0: Who else can't have it all? N- no one can have it all. What does this look like for us as two white guys? Right. And so it's it's not that we are saying that women can't have it all and ha, ha, ha. Um, right. We, we are saying that we think that women and men can't have it all and that we should all be taking a look at how we work, what we're working for, what our goals are, why mm-hmm. we're doing this sort of thing, um, and what this means for us as people and us as parents and us as children, um, because we all have to deal with how we grew up as children. <laughs> um, and so... You know, these are important things. And I think one thing that Chris and I were interested in, because again, this is a technology and ethics show part of the time, um, is how we deal with culturally um, getting into this sort of work ethic. So one of the things that I'm really interested in, and I have thought about for a very long time, seeing as I was not engaged or married or having a family for a pretty long time, Um, was how I could structure my life so that when I did get engaged, I would be able to, you know, have time for, you know, a family because I didn't want to end up having, you know, a 68 hour a week career and then, you know, suddenly have this person who I loved and have to decide between, you know, loving this person or loving my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if you're young and getting married right out of college, then you have a very different set of, you know, concerns and considerations, which is what Chris did, essentially. Right. Um, But for me, I had to think about in advance, um, as I saw a lot of my friends getting married and do this sort of struggle with um, how many hours do I work? What type of work do I do? What does my family require from me? um, Because I knew some friends who had, pretty much from the get-go, pretty difficult situations that required, you know, alternate sorts of working engagements and environments. Um, you know, personally and family wise. So I was, I was looking at people who were making these sort of decisions and as a single person, I could have just said, la-dee-da, working 60 to 80 hours a week. (laughs) Like I could have done that and nothing would have been a problem. So making those considerations on the front end was something that I, I decided and had to learn to do because now that I'm, you know, getting engaged and married, I don't work in the same ways that other people do. And I have time, right? Right. And one of the
1: things that goes with that is recognizing early on, recognizing as early as you can as you're making any given decision, how it fits into your longer term goals and your longer term priorities. So basically, as long as I've known Stephen, it's been very clear that one of his major goals and interests in life is finding a delightful woman who loves Jesus as much as he does to get married and Mm -hmm. go have a family and be a dad. These have always been things he's been interested in. And so for him, it made a lot of sense to be saying, as he's looking at jobs and possible careers and all of these things, how do I do this in a way that sets me moving in that direction? Rather than just saying, I'm going to go do my career now because I don't have a gal yet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, guy or gal, the same concern is there. Are the things you're doing moving you toward your ultimate goals or a way, are they going to make it harder if and when you achieve that goal, whatever it may be, in this case, family, are they going to make it harder or easier to go at that in a way that is best for everyone involved? So in the case of family, the simple reality is you can't be a good parent and work 80 hours a week because there just isn't enough time. And really, you probably can't be a good husband or wife and work 80 hours a week because there just isn't enough time.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that, you know, it varies from, you know, situation to situation because if I'm going to say that's a general rule, but not like a concrete rule because, you know, uh, if you're, you know, working on an oil rig and you're working, you know, (laughs) offsite three weeks and then you're home three weeks. I mean, that's a very different situation, but, um, in general, you know, if you're, if you're spending far more time at your work than you have available for your family, um, whether or not you have children, then mm-hmm. you're going to be in a situation where someone's going to feel slighted and it's not going to be your boss. <laughs> um, and so we, I think we also have to make um, kind of a, a step here and say that not everyone's um, goal is children and family. Um, and, that's, and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of reasons that you would want children in a family. There's a lot of reasons that you wouldn't. Um, so, you know, uh, people are, um, sadly, you know, infertile. Some people choose to stay single. Mm -hmm. Um, some, some people are down with the whole Pauline theology that being single is the best thing you can do. You know, these are, these are not, um, you know, they're not inherently second second class yeah they're not second class moves but even with those even with those you still have to make decisions about what you want your life goals to be and Mm -hmm. how you can fit your work into them Mm -hmm. because even if you're single i mean work doesn't necessarily mean your only thing and i was going to add to the
1: point you just made that it not only are those not bad things but they can be really important, good things in terms of how they contribute culturally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and in particular, speaking from the position you and I are, where we're among American evangelical Christians, Mm -hmm. there is a tendency in our specific subculture to very highly prize marriage and to value family well. And those are good things, Mm -hmm. but the reality is that uh, Peter had a wife but Paul didn't and Jesus didn't and Jesus and Paul would both have really hard time getting hired in most evangelical churches where you kind of have to be married yeah. and that's an unspoken rule a lot of times sometimes it's actually yeah. spoken and there's a need in our culture for people who have consciously chosen no I'm going to live as a single person and I'm going to live yeah. my w- life in a way that concords with what scripture calls us to, but as a single person, not as a married person. And that's really valuable. It's just, again, there's that trade-off that we were talking about from the very beginning. You have to choose, what do I care about most? What are my priorities? What is it that Mm -hmm. I'm going to value most? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's going and being a full-time vocational minister. Maybe it's going and building technology that helps people do things better and that's the right. that's the thing i'm most passionate about and i can do that best and i can honor god best right not by being a dad and husband for which i don't feel particularly equipped and maybe i don't particularly desire but by going and doing right. this thing over here for which i am equipped and which i do desire and then coming at that again making your decisions in such a way that you're able
0: to do that well mhm yeah uh, one note on the whole uh, uh, single male pastor thing. Um, I'm not going to get into it any further than this, but sometimes <laughs> they want people to be married so that they can get two people for the job instead of <laughs> yes, one and alas. only pay one of them. Um, not cool, guys. Not cool. Not cool. cool. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you that there are like strong and important um, elements of being single that um, enrich both churches and society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, and so having a family is, you know, not the 100% you must do this thing. But if you do choose to have a family, if you Mm -hmm. do go that direction, you do have to make different decisions than you would if you were just single. Um, you know, this is not a new concept. This is basically Paul's (laughs) argument. Um, you have to do different things like you have other concerns. So that is not a bad thing. However, it does mean that you can't just keep being single while you happen to be married like that right. doesn't you know, work how we end up with divorces is that you never you become you know an integrated family you never become you know considerate to each other's you know wants and needs and then you know you find other people who perhaps are better fits for in your mind quote-unquote better fits yeah. and so you know this is this is a, a really big and serious issue it's not just you know this weird tech thing that like, right. you know, maybe we can have it all. This is like a real whole life. People have problems with this since day one of, you know, history sort of thing. <laughs> so Yeah, and
1: I, I think one of the things we have to take away, and I think you push us exactly in the right spot for this, is that family is one of those areas where it's much more obvious that you have to be unselfish, that you have yeah. to be selfless for it to work well. Yeah. And in that a lot of times that means that you're setting aside at any given point other things that might feel more rewarding or more interesting. I mean, the truth of the matter is changing my 7 weeks old 7 week old dirty diapers is just not as much fun as writing cool software. Yeah, it's not. But yeah. it is really good and important and helpful, and it is part of our winning slowly ethic. In that Mm -hmm. if I change her diaper, that's, I mean, number one, it's just good for her because she needs clean diapers. But it's also probably good for my wife because, let's be honest, nobody wants to change all the dirty diapers. And it's going to be good for our marriage and it's going to be good for the overall health of our family. Even Mm -hmm. though at no point is my little girl going to look at me you know, at 15 years old and say, you know, dad, I just really appreciate that you changed all my dirty diapers when I was a little babe. No, that's, <laughs>
0: that's, that's not maybe, going maybe to happen. When she, maybe when she's 28 and has her own children. And has her own kids. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, probably not though. I've not,
1: I've not said that to my parents because it's just not really the conversation that you have. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's awkward.
0: Oh uh, um, no,
1: man. But you know what what i'm getting at there is family makes it really obvious that if you're going to do this well a lot of times you're going to have to make long-term decisions things that are good for you and your family yeah. in 10 years yeah that may be not a lot of fun today that may be the hard yeah. road today
0: yeah yeah and on that line of uh the the long view the winning slowly view um, I think I want to take a left turn here and talk about something else that we had discussed in relation to this, which is how companies actually fit into this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here at Winning Slowly, we, you know, we are not uh, human shamers, um, <laughs> nor are we company shamers. We are equal opportunity <laughs> shamers and praisers. Um, we we are not um, we're not singling out anybody, and so. And core the- to that, is the reality that wait for
1: it, companies are made up of
0: people what (laughs) say it isn't so true uh, story. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so it's, you know, in the tech world, um, as well as in the fortune 500 world, as well as, you know, small businesses all over the world, Mm -hmm. you know, there are expectations placed on employees. It's just the nature of the beast. We hire you to do this thing. We expect you to do this thing in this many hours. Um, you know, I worked at a job where I had to be sitting at my desk at 8.30 and I could leave when five zero zero was on the clock and not a minute before. Like, that was <laughs> the expectations. Totally fine. I can abide by those. Um, but in the world of tech, it um, especially when you're young and single and maybe if you're in the startup scene, um, you know, it, there's kind of this expectation that you are always working. Like, work right. is just a way of life. Um, and... You know, if you've listened to the first 20 minutes of this podcast, you probably guess that we think that's a pretty bad idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's some things that you have to sacrifice when you're going to to start a business, which is why you have to mm-hmm. be, you know, in good communication with your, you know, with your family and say, is this a good idea for my family, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, we're not going to talk about startups, though, because that's been talked about to death. What we are going to talk about is large corporations and how they structure and by they I mean we as humans, again, because humans run corporations, how we structure the goals and ideals of large corporations. Right.
1: And the the problem we see is that in a lot of cases if you want to do well, you're expected for the company to be your life. You're expected for the thing you do to be your whole life. You know, it's it's common in a lot of large tech companies for the expectation to be that you're on call all the time, you're available all the time, and or that when you're not at work, you're doing, you know, programmery things and that's what your hobbies are, et cetera. So that you can get better and you're learning and you're improving and you're contributing to open source. And again, a lot of those are good things. But when as a company, that's the expectations you're setting for what it means to be a really successful part of your company, and you're saying that, look, if you really want to advance and you want to do well here, you need to be expecting to be pulling long hours when things are tough and sometimes when they're not tough because we just want you to love the company so much that that's where your soul is. That becomes really, really unhealthy, and it makes it very difficult for people to invest well in your company When they have a family, you basically say, here's this whole group of people who might be extremely valuable and might have a lot to contribute Mm -hmm. that I'm shutting out because I'm wanting them to put the company over to their family. And this takes us to what is perhaps the most important thing we're going to say in this episode, which is that in terms of building slowly and carefully for the future, one of these things is going to last a lot longer than the other, and it's not your program that you're writing right it's not whatever product you're selling with whatever company you are families and people and the difference we make at that level last vastly longer especially when we start considering the kinds of cultural and generational effects that happen as you build healthier on families yeah talk to your therapist about that (laughs) (laughs) right those things matter enormously more in the long run than do whether you get this product out this week or next week or yeah. at all.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, I think you you said something, you know, interesting that, um, you know, there, there are some people who, you know, just kind of sacrifice family and try to make it work. But then there are some people who just don't get into those companies who could be really good additions, um, you know, because, like, you and I would never – you know, be able to move out to California and join a large tech company because it wouldn't work for the way that we run our lives. Right. Um, I think both of us would be intriguing and helpful, you know, parts of any tech company given our very unique backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're just outside of, you know, that particular, you know, work ethic. Um, what Steven's really saying is we're awesome. We're yeah, we're awesome. (laughs) Hire us as freelancers. What up? (laughs) Um, But anyway, it's – yeah, I think that's important to note is that by building cultures of – that are um, more logical for, you know, young single people or um, people with slightly to largely dysfunctional family lives, not only are you, you know, requiring people to be there more often, you're changing the timber of your whole office, a timbre, right. not timber. Timbre of your whole office. Like if you have people who are, you know, calm and involved with their families and put in the hours and don't see this as a massively, you know, life investment thing, you know, you're going to have a very different work environment right. that's going to be a lot more appealing to to people to work in, um, and that's going to be a lot more appealing even more than ping pong tables and beer. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's things that seem counterintuitive from where you are. Um, And there's lots and lots of research that backs this up. Working less hours creates more productivity. Um, Working in environments that are flexible for families creates more happiness on the job, which creates better results for people who have to interact with those people. Um, There's a lot of research that says, hey, working more does not mean a better output for people and does not mean a better output for company. But because of these pressures that we feel to uh, always beat the next company and beat the deadline and get the product out and, you know, we we kind of build ourselves into this situation where we have to be doing, have to, have to, have to.
1: Right. And to to point a finger at one of the kind of tech darling companies, I mean, you read the story of how the iPhone came into existence and it's, I mean, it's that. It's, okay, we're going to lock you guys in a room for A couple of years and you're you're going to be in there other than when you're sleeping and maybe sometimes then too that's i mean the iphone's cool i've got one in my pocket and i'm i'm happy about it but those human costs are too high um Mm -hmm. now i mean again to go back to something we said earlier there there are people for whom that's an all right investment to be and and by all right i don't just mean oh that's all right i mean i mean it's a perfectly reasonable way to decide to spend your time but there are a lot of people for whom it's not
0: yeah i'm sure that if you talk to one um you know individual apple developer you're going to get a wide range of experiences from you know that project i mean there's going to be people who you know absolutely were thrilled by it people who were run down by it people who were you know kind of stuck in it um and maybe one person across the whole spectrum of time you know um, but and, just and if you the... talk to their families, you're going to hear
1: a similar array of responses depending on how well they managed it and how well they communicated and right. all of those things.
0: And so we're not saying that we're anti-iPhone or anti-project right. even, but we're more aligned with building a culture that allows less intensity of need. Mm-hmm. And that expects that other things in people's
1: lives matter in the same way. Exactly. You know, jo- Steve Jobs was famous for having the attitude that this is the most important thing going on. Right. And one thing I like that I see in the post-Steve Jobs Apple and that you see in a lot of other companies, you know, I, I appreciated hearing this from a couple leads that I had in my first job out of college, is, no, go home and don't take work with you. Yeah. Ha- and having that attitude leads to a much, much better workplace, period.
0: And I hope that as we move out of um, kind of the massive iteration period that was the early 2000s, (laughs) I hope that as we move into, you know, more maintaining and more, um, you know, B2B software and iterations, I hope that we can regain some of that. Because Mm -hmm. as you and I were talking about yesterday, like there's not that many, you know, media areas (laughs) <laughs> that are left to be disrupted like, you know, right. if we could unbundle that cable. That'd be great But that's not <laughs> a disruption in the same way that you know introducing an iPod or introducing iTunes or introducing even Things like Apple TV or Netflix is like right. We have a pretty stable media environment Obviously, that's um, a gradation um, The media environment is incredibly shifting if you compare it to like the media environment of you know 1880 approximately um, but In terms of the last, you know, 15 years, we're approaching an area where stability is kind of coming into vogue. And so I hope that as we start to be a fairly stable landscape, um, that, you know, we can start to adjust the ways that we look at work and the ways that we look at these technologies and say, all right, if we get out like this very tiny update for Netflix (laughs) software will it be as important as going to my kid's softball game probably not and i think at
1: the same time we even want the the next guy pushing the big disruption the Batteries. next big thing that's going to flip yeah to flip everything on its head to also be willing to take back take a step back and say is getting this out next month going to make all the difference in the world or will spending time with my wife after yeah. we just had a baby be more important in the long run? And it's going to take most some bravery. of the time. I mean, if you're talking about delivering a cure for cancer, maybe may, for one kind of cancer, that's a different discussion. For something like that, maybe getting it out sooner is really important. But for most of the things in our lives, no, spending time with your wife after she had a baby is going to reap much bigger dividends in the long term. And yeah. so, both for those small incremental things but also where it's hardest which is in those i'm going to change the world places take a step back and recognize that what really changes the world is people and insofar as whatever product you're delivering helps people that's a good thing and if you're the single guy or the single gal who's out there doing that more power to you and i mean that and if you're a mom or a dad well, remember that your most significant contribution is almost certainly going to be your kids. Yeah. And as a husband or a wife, one of the most significant things that you do in the whole, whole course
0: of your life is going to be loving your spouse well, yeah. period. Yeah. I mean, and it's going to take some bravery. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. with people who are – there are always going to be competitive races. You know, there are always going to be two or more people trying to push product to market. You know, and it's gonna take some you know bravery on the part of you know people making the big decisions and people mm-hmm. making the small decisions um to you know make decisions that are good for life work balance, which we've managed to get thirty minutes without saying <laughs> um, uh it's gonna take bravery that's really all there is yep. to it um being willing to say we might get scooped here, but it's so- worth it in the long run, yep.
1: That Winning Slowly view. This has been episode 1.02 of Winning Slowly. All of our content is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution
0: license, which means you can do whatever you want with it. Just say you got it from us. The music, however, is not ours. Um, It is not licensed under Creative Commons, so make sure that you credit the musician wherever is applicable. Until next time, I have been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Steven Carradini.